I am unashamed. What about you? We're gonna be. I do a lot of howling these days because I'm. Do you howl with the dogs? Oh yeah, we well, yeah. a big time. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed. Chase is kind of a. I notice he likes to get down at the dog level. Yeah. You know, because you like to run with them, you you howl with them. I mean, you know, I just <laughs> I like their. Well, they say they're man's best friend yeah. besides Jesus. Yeah. And people. Okay. <laughs> That's my take. But you know, I've had we have a new dog, Missy's grandma. He's <clears throat> with the Lord now. And then I, I would <clears throat> say that's an inherited dog. You inherited that dog. Yes, we did. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it was done because Gigi, she's funny. And Missy doesn't, she doesn't like <laughs> right. animals. And, uh, so it's ironic that she left. Her right. I think she was trying to teach her a lesson. Well, that's pretty and, good. And uh, so Missy, she lasted about, you know, a week, I guess, because this dog had been spoiled. Right. So now it's hard to teach a spoiled dog. Things have changed. Right. <clears throat> you don't poop where you want to because it's kind of a house dog. Right. And so, uh, you know, I gave the dog his first spanking. Which I'm sure some people are like, oh no. But it's like, you know, a lot of people, they think it's wrong to spank their kids. Right. And, and spank, you know, dog. But I'm like, some people okay. would think it's worse for the dog. I mean, you know, even. I mean, yeah. people get you know what? weirded out about their animal. That one spanking for that, that dog, he hadn't done it since. Right. That's three weeks we're into it. He, he, he realized, oh, we go outside right. and do that. So, but I told Missy, but she's like, well, I just didn't want to deal with it. I was yeah. like, well, you got to discipline <laughs> little dogs. Right. So, sort of like kid. So how, so you're doing this, uh, you got some back and forth because you got two plate. you're in Texas and here because we have to do the yeah. podcast. But so how's, how's that bachelor living? You, you loving that? that? Right now, I hadn't seen my wife in a while, so I'm on edge. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's like anything else. It's like when Phil said, that's commercial fish the river. You know, it's really fun for about a week. We're just living out here. We're growing our beards out. We're fishing. We rule these waters. After about a week, you know, you're like. Well, and then the grind sets in. We stink. I've been finned multiple times. There's no money in this. I, I miss my girlfriend. <laughs> now you come full circle. Now it's yeah. like because you know kids and stuff you're doing. So last night Mia called uh, Carly because you know they're they're pals, and yeah. uh, she uh, they talked for probably an hour, but it was really just fun seeing them. You know, just talking about school. You know, now yeah. catching up, all that kind of stuff. She's really loving the school. It's really challenging. It's going to prepare for college. They're focused on Jesus. We made a spiritual decision. Yep. Sometimes in life. I mean, if you're making a, a seek first the kingdom with your family decision, which is what it is, even though it's complicated, right? I just think it'll work out. I do too. I think I, you know, I, my number one goal in life is to get my family, and I mean my wife and kids and acquired kids, to heaven. So I, I have to put that as I the mentioned top that in my sermon Sunday. Um, when I, you know, I married uh, Grant and Julie, who's Phyllis's oldest son. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was there. It was the quickest wedding I've ever been to. <laughs> I tell so you, I, I don't mess around. Thank you for that. <laughs> they asked me, they were like, so how long is it, you know, every, every like couple's like, how long is the wedding going to be like holding their breath thinking you're going to say, well, yeah. 30 minutes. I said, 15 minutes. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, was that's, that's the most I do. So in the vows, well, you heard it. So in the vows, I have a vow that I say when they're repeating to each other, it says, um, I vow to work a- alongside you to get our family to heaven. Mm-hmm. It's part one of my vows. And, um, you know, I've been doing it for years, but it was really interesting because we were in a new place. Like, you know, around here I do the weddings, the same crowd most of the time at the church. And, uh, but these people had never heard that. So I, I had, I had six people at least come up hmm. and, and, and specifically that point in the vows where I said, they said, we've, we've never heard that before. That, I mean, that is beautiful. That's, that's such a good thought, you know, for like a couple. And I just thought, well, that's, that's just foundational, you know, it's just yeah. basic. But I guess they hadn't heard somebody do it. So this one guy comes up and he's got a camera. He's been taking pictures. Like he was like a 
the photographer, but he was just a person at the wedding. I guess he liked photography. He said, would you mind if I took a picture of your notes? <laughs> Which I've never been asked that before from a wedding. I said, no. You know, so I opened my thing up, and, you know, he got his couple of shots. He said, I just... You know, that was just so good. I just was so rich. I just love that. I know? wouldn't have thought you even had no. Al, I, I blinked about twice, and it was over. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I thought, what just happened here? It was 15 <laughs> minutes, but, it, but, but you know, it's not boring. That's why it goes fast. You yeah, know, I when you so. drag. I've been to weddings before for people. Oh, and wow. The guy just, you so know, how's he going to preach a sermon? Yeah, oh, yeah, and then think, tell jokes and you know, preacher stories, and I, I'm just like, dude, it's not about you. Yeah, nobody. Like the no. wet, they're not here for you. You're, you're just like getting this thing going and tying the knot. You when know, I got married. I have, I, I don't remember nothing. <laughs> and most couples don't. When she came out, I thought, this is Whoa. happening. <laughs> this is happening, and so I kind of blacked out. Yeah, and then you know. Oh, I've seen so many grooms. I love that that look on their face when when she comes down because there's something about them. I mean, they're they're dressed up and makeup, but it's not that. There's a glow. Oh, it about is. a bride it on is. her wedding day, and boy, those guys sometimes they're like you. They're just like a stupor. Others they'll just start bawling. You know, just big burly. Yeah, husky. he he got a little emotional. Uh, yeah, Grant I, did. I, I was surprised. And like he's a he's like a man's man, deputy sheriff. But oh, he uh, he said he said. I'm, I know I'm not. I'm gonna lose it when she comes out. Uh, there ain't no way. <laughs> well, uh, before I had time to lose it, when my, your mother and me, when it when it came time for to go down to see what the Justice House of Peace was gonna do, you know, we got our blood test, ten bucks. We could drive to. The, they said go down there, the Justice of the Peace. He told us where to go. We went down there. Time to get married. He walked up and he said, you want her? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, she's your sign right here. <laughs> That's he, shorter than mine. He said, be $15. I said, Miss Kay, you got <laughs> Miss Kay got her in her purse. <laughs> mine was, and give him the $15 and we walked out the door. This was very short. So very I'm taking it, you didn't point. get tears yeah. in your eyes. This guy was not going to tell any stories. <laughs> no. You want her? Yeah. Sign right here. Did you did you shed, bonk, bonk. Did you shed some tears there in that ten? Nobody moment? was crying. <laughs> Miss K hunting up at fifteen, but I, you know <laughs> that was probably the hardest part of the process. It's the quickest wedding I've seen. So, do you remember the town you were in? Ida Bell, Oklahoma. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was wondering if you there were. you could marry them when they were eighteen <laughs> in Louisiana, twenty one. Really? So, yeah. So she was about yeah. Maybe seventh. She wasn't she seventh. No, she was older than that. Yeah. That's right. That's, it was yeah. sixty eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was funny because the reason we never really knew when y'all got married because it's a super long. We could, we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Uh, but because I I came along in sixty five, but y'all had had a what mom calls a pioneer wedding. Yeah. Which means you, <laughs> which that means load them up and leave. That's, which which basically means you just said, yeah, we're just gonna be together. We yeah. just heard yeah. the pioneer wedding. That seems more like just the pioneer. Back on it, looking back on it, I, I, I'm thinking about it. I said, what a heathen I was. So so y'all had me in '65, and uh, mom we were a little more. We were a little more free spirited. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. it was the '60s, and yeah. you weren't a Christian. I was, I was thinking that a while ago. It was, that, it was disco well, think, and the hippie. Well, the hippies, yeah. So I mean, it was it was a little pre hippie, but so so that was '65. So in '68, y'all tied the knot for real in Idabel, Oklahoma, which yeah. is good because that means Jace was legitimate. I was illegitimate. Well, we just got to thinking oh, about man. it. We said you know, the, the legal ramifications down the road, this right. and that and other. We said, all right. That's, so that's, what's funny is, so we never knew when the day was, and mom was like, ah, I don't know. And, of course, you were like, you know. And so we never knew when they got married, our whole lives, we, and they didn't either. Yeah. And so when, when the show came out and we did that 50th anniversary uh, episode, which was really neat. It was one of our favorite episodes. Uh, in Idaho, Oklahoma, somebody worked in the courthouse yeah. Found their me- their wedding oh, license. Okay, and, and they put a sign outside of Idabel, some married place. Of, <laughs> it became dynasty. a huge deal in Oklahoma, and and somehow wound up. I saw a picture on the front page of their paper, 
it was y'all's marriage license, which I don't even know if that's legal. Well, what's weird is... <laughs> and then I said, there it is, April 11th, 1968. Now I know when you got married. Behold, your sins will find you out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you try to cover up. That's why they always say the cover-up's worse than the crime. That's right. Because somebody's going to say, hey... Get her done. This is where they got married. Yeah. And that's when we found out. But but they had already told us years ago that they were they didn't get married until sixty eight. So we knew it happened, but nobody knew when. Yeah. And that was kind of funny. I mean But to y'all's credit, Phil, you've been real open about your past and so it well it, it I, is what it is. Well, I think it comes to what one of the three legs of what we discussed in John is that Jesus is the light and we live in the light. We're transparent. Right. In our past, our present, I mean, we're we're honest. That's why we confess I've seen our a, sins. A, what I call a a truism, but I've just watched through the years, and the ones who have come to Jesus and know they've been forgiven, they don't have any problems with talking about their past. Right. They know they're forgiven. Right. But the ones who are on the fence and have not given their life wholly to Jesus. They'll hide their past. Right. You, 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 they'll try to just say, well, maybe. But I just thought, I mean, thank God I've been forgiven of them. Well, so <laughs> what's the what's what's the deal in this slipping them under the no. table and hiding them? Just, hey. That's the word. Forgiven is the word. And you think about it, it really is transformative because I saw it with you and Mom when I came in with that letter from Phyllis. And you all read the letter. And Mom doesn't react negatively she doesn't get i mean like she just found out there was a kid that's yours is not hers yep and yet because she forgave you 44 years ago yep. she's living that still in that i mean whatever the news is whatever happens that you didn't know about if you've forgiven and feel forgiven you can just keep rolling with sure. it. Sure. I mean, which you and I have talked about this a lot before, Dad. That's the problem with our country right now. There's no use in trying to hide your sins. That's right. And look, I mean, everybody has them. <laughs> whether it's a macro level, you know, like you're looking at the country or in your yeah, here's life. some of mine. What about you? Oh uh, yeah, and, and the ones who are open about it, they tend to be the ones who stick with Jesus and are the least judgmental. Least judgmental because because you, you can work with other people and know that anybody can be saved, mm-hmm. anybody can be forgiven. I mean, any behavior can be modified, can be changed. I mean, it's just you know that's. I mean, the, ultimately, we know Jesus does that, but and it's it's Him, not necessarily the process. But Second Corinthians seven ten really says what you're describing: godly sorrow. Being being sorry mm-hmm. brings <clears throat> repentance, so changes. Yep. You know, you're sorry, so you say, "I got to change my life." That leads to salvation, which we know is a relationship with Jesus. But yep. and this next part says, "And leaves no regret." Yep. So it's what you're saying. You're like people who are forgiven seem to be transparent. Well, because they. They're not sitting around regretting because they were sorrowful, which led them to make some good changes yep. and experience salvation mm-hmm. in Jesus. And they're like, you know what? It is what it is. And if you're still trying to hide them, you don't. Rem- you just are, have missed the point. He's ready to take them away. Right. Or Why right. hide them? Yeah. Give you, them to Because you regret it. That's right. Because you're like, yeah. And we get it. We 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 all do. You can't stuff. go back and undo it. That's no. right. Yeah, whatever your sins and whatever came out of it, you know the ramifications of your sinful life. But it sure is, it sure is uh, a wonderful thing to know that it's in the rearview mirror. Especially like you, yeah. you talk about peace of mind. Let's take a break. So um, one of the things we love is our sleep. We, we seem to do a lot of sleep ads on uh, Unashamed, but uh, there's a company called Bowl and Branch. B O L L and Branch that uh, really makes some quality sheets. I know Jace has some. I have some, and I I have a set for Dad. I don't know if I've gotten to yet to try them. I'll have to ask Mom because you probably don't know much about the sheet business, do you? Yeah, yeah. get get that done. (laughs) I'll get it on it. I'll get on it. They're high-quality, great sheets, uh, highest-level craftsmanship. Uh, They use family-owned meals all around the world. They sell direct to you, so the only place you can get them is from them. they're thousand dollar qualities. They sell them for one hundred sixty bucks. Uh, I'm telling you, it's a lot of money, but it's worth it. Cheats uh, are underrated. They really are, and, yeah. and, and, and like sleep. So, and also you get to try them for a month. 
risk free. So we're going into the fall. I mean, in the cool down, <clears throat> are they are they good? Like in winter, cool. You know, even in Louisiana winters, it's not they don't get that cold on here. Well, that's right. I mean, you you can get different kinds of sheets. So if you like them a little thicker, you can get them like that, or you can get the other ones. But here's what you do: you go, you get fifty dollars off any sheet set if you go to Bowl and Branch, B O L L and Branch dot com. Use the promo code Robertson, and you get fifty dollars off. I mean, it's a great deal. You'll love the sheets. You'll keep them. That's bowlandbranch.com. Use the promo code Robertson. So you've tried them, you like them? I love them. <clears throat> yeah, I see it when um, when Lisa and I go and speak, because we've written about it in both our books. Uh, when she was 16, she had an abortion. You know, that was the part we weren't together. And uh, she talks about it, and she talks about how the lies they told her at the abortion clinic, but, you know, and her parents are the ones that kind of nudged her, I mean, to do it, because they were like, well, you're 16, we, can, we can't raise this kid. I mean, it's not really a kid. They believed all the lies that people say. And so she goes and has an abortion, and she said one of the things they told her is when you walk out of here, you don't ever have to think about this again. You live your life. You know, you'll never think about this. And she's, you know, she says that was, whatever, 38 years ago. She said, I, I think about it every day. It's the worst decision I ever made. Because now she said, I got grandkids. So not only did I kill my child, but I killed a whole generation of children. You know, you think about it, abortion doesn't just kill one. Mm, it kills right. the whole progeny. So, <clears throat> but what she says is, but I live today without regret, even though I think about it. And I wish I'd never done it. Godly sorrow. Yeah. She said, and the only way I can live without regret and shame is because Jesus took it away. She said, which I de- really didn't realize till I was about 35. You know, so I just, it's a great message because every audience we speak to, mm-hmm. we're using in pro-life settings and there are people there that have had the same thing. And so she's speaking and I'm watching. It's just like you could drop a feather and hear it. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at faces of women and I just watch them and they just, they'll, they'll drop their eyes and they usually start tearing out. I was like, well, there's one there that probably never has dealt with it, never has talked about it. Yep. Just a, a shame past, you know? And so it, it helps a lot of people, yeah. you know, it brings a lot out. Yeah. People. Really. I mean, that's an amazing story. The back end <clears throat> of that verse I read says worldly sorrow brings death which doesn't seem to fit because all of a sudden it's like there's a process of salvation and worldly sorrow just brings death. It, when you take Jesus out of the equation, godly sorrow, forgiveness, what are you left with? Bad choices and death. The future of, the, the future, yeah. the future of America <laughs> depends entirely on America's view of Jesus Christ. I wrote down last night. When I was just thinking there, I said, it's a big event on how, how America views Jesus. The future, our future is on that point right there. So we'll see. Awesome line. I think it's really good. And you know what? We're about to probably in the next month with when these, uh, when the, we talked about yesterday with this uh, justice, you know, and the judge, we're probably fixing to see that on display. That is correct. The vitriol versus the defenders of Jesus Christ. I have said many times when the, the Jesus rate is high, the crime rate is way low. When, when the crime rate's way high, the Jesus rate is almost non-existent. It, it's just like a, I mean, it's it's, you, it's it's true. Did you know this past Saturday, I don't know if you've seen it anywhere, that, that there were, I don't know, the picture looked like, I don't know, 100,000, but I don't know how many there were, you know, it's hard to count those crowds. But Franklin Graham, I mean, all the guys we know, Robert Morris, Tony Perkins, and a lot of national spiritual leaders, they all descended on Washington with hundreds of thousands maybe, but a lot of Christians, and basically just prayed. They went up and all over that Washington Mall praying for our country, praying for repentance, praying for law enforcement, praying for government. I mean, it was just a moving thing. I watched it a lot. Of, I would have been there myself if I didn't have to preach it here. It was actually the first peaceful protest we've seen. That's exactly right. I mean, <laughs> nobody, there was no yelling or shouting. It was just people praying. And then they all gathered up at the end, sang some songs, you know, heard a couple of words from different guys. But I just thought, man, that's really the heart of the whole thing. I mean, that's yeah. that's how you would change everything that we're seeing which has been terrible yeah uh you got something well i was just going to say i I wasn't sure where we were going to go but you know when you think about what phil just said about what the country thinks of of jesus 
and you talk about persecution for those who love Jesus. You know, at some point we're going to get into John 15 in detail. <clears throat> but, you know, he, he, he started off with this analogy of I'm the true vine, my father is the gardener, you know, you're, you're the branches. And then he, he starts talking about love, which that was his number one weapon that he was conveying to them is love. So he says this beautiful thing. He says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Or, right. You know, a friend lays down his life. But then, but then he gets to basically what we're dis- discussing here is hate in our world because there's so much of it. And <laughs> Jesus actually addresses it. You know, he says in verse 18 of, of John 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And the reason I gave that little speech before I read this is because he just spent the whole time talking about, I'm leaving you a legacy of love. That, that's how we operate. We love each other. If you belong to the world, it would love you. <clears throat> so it implies, you know, if you don't, they're going to hate you. That's the implication there. That They'll hurt you. Because they hate you. You know, you really got to think about that, what the implications are. But if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. And so, you know, he goes on to say they persecuted me without reason. And But I just think that's kind of what this is about. I mean, when you see death like we talked about and hate and regret and all these and then here's jesus coming with his number one weapon of love but then he also he didn't sugarcoat it he's like you if you if you take a stand with me they're gonna hate you yeah they're gonna hurt you it is really true yeah it's amazing i the, see the, it the all, inside all, all the time and the and the implication here you're right jace is that you don't respond as they respond you don't battle hate for hate. Right. That's right. I mean, that, that won't work. That, I mean, that goes against the principle that's here. And also, you really shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't be a, a cozy enough relationship with worldliness that they love you if you're really being a Christian. <laughs> that's right. They're, they're not going to love you. They're not. I mean, that's what he just said. Right. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But he did. He got a little caveat there. Try your best, if it's possible, right. to try to live at peace with them, even while they hate you. Right. It's just difficult. Well, and he said that because he said in verse 25, he's like, they hated me without reason. Yep. A lot of times you're just not, they don't even have a reason. That's right. Which is hard for people to wrap their, their minds around. Well, and it always yeah. seems so bizarre when someone is really that vitriolic towards you or... You know, you're just like, man. I mean, you know, you it energizes people, and you're like, why, why, why so mad? Why yeah. so angry? <clears throat> you know, why so bitter? These these uh, uh, modern day rioters and looters and shooters and whatnot. If any one of us walked out among them, just held out a Bible, I'm telling you, they would attack you. <laughs> oh yeah, well it ha- I've, yeah. I saw it a few times. That's Some right. guy rolled in there and he was going to preach him a little sermon up in Seattle, and they beat the fire out of him. Mm-hmm. You know, which is what happened a lot in the first century. I which mean, which is Jason's point. Yeah, they 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 hate hate you. They don't have a reason. They say, well, he's got a Bible in his hand. He's saying, why don't we love one another? And they're like, well, I just feel like everybody's trying to tiptoe. You know, you made that statement. What people think of Jesus, but just making a statement like that is going to bring. Hate, yeah, it, you did it. You you declared. I I I think how we view Jesus here's a perfect, righteous son of God that we put our faith in, mistake free. Yeah, but you're you're fixed to get <laughs> some. And iron. they're mad about it. It's just a strange. I guess why why would they care? I don't know. You would think they'd just say, "Well, that's all right. Well, that's what you believe," but no. So there has to be something else at work there, going back to the old Satan. There has to be something at work there. It's a a deep thought. (laughs) It goes deep. Uh, Let's take another break. 
So one of my uh, favorite ads that we do is a company called Duke Cannon Supply. And I like it because they're quirky and different. Like they make soap and they got one's called the beer and bourbon box. They make soap that they make out that put bourbon and beer in the soap. But I, you know, at first I thought, well, what would that do? But then I started using the soap. I mean, it, it's great. It's not like, you know, a lot of soap is uh, perfumey and feminine smelling to me. Well, it but, redefines telling your kids you need your mouth washed out with soap. <laughs> You're right. I guess if you did that, you may be, you may be giving a little bourbon in there. And here's something good for you, Jay. It's a joke. This is the uh, Bloody Knuckles. This comes out of the... Really? Yeah. It's like a, they also have a, a, a Bud Beard Box, they call it, that has beard balm, beard oil. Mm-hmm. And this is another product. But the Bloody Knuckles, I don't read what it says. It says... Formulated to repair the hands of workers, fighters, and world champions. Damn. Woo. That <laughs> so, covers a lot of ground. <laughs> so instead of going out and fighting or drinking way too much, just take a shower with and use this soap. There you go. So here's how you get it. Visit DukeCannon.com. Use the promo code Phil. You get 10% off your next order. So that's free shipping with any orders over 20 bucks. So check them out. Uh, Duke. Canon, C-A-N-N-O-N dot com. Use promo code Phil and smell better. That's funny. interesting. That's funny. So since you said that that about mistake free, um, before we get to John, there was a, a viewer, a listener, that uh, is a really interesting note he said. He said he was talking to his neighbor uh, and made the comment that Jesus is the only one in history of humanity that led a perfect sin-free life. True. Which he was true. He was right. But the person he told that to said, no, he didn't, because he doubted God when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the guy, <clears throat> our listener said, I didn't say anything, and the conversation went past because I had no answer for that. And so then he asked us, uh, why did Jesus doubt, uh, or did he, you know, when he knew he didn't forsake him? And so I thought we might address that just because, mm. like most people, you want to have as many answers as possible, you know, when you're talking to people. Well, I, I would just simply tell her. Uh, was it her or him? Well, it's Jess uh, well, from Colorado. Whatever. I don't yeah. know if it's Jess. Well, may, may, is well, a, that may be male or female. Maybe, so. yeah. <laughs> but but whatever whatever sex they are, the bottom line is <laughs> when, when, when Jesus, he's God in flesh. You say God in flesh. He was made like his brothers in every way, yet was without sin. Yep. So the point is... Where was that at? The, uh, that's, uh, what is that? I'll find he, it. Yeah. That's, that's uh, Hebrews 2, yeah. 14 yeah. through 18. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at it like that, you say, well, his humanity, he's up there. He is strung up like an animal. I mean, thorns are jammed down in his head. He's been beaten to near death. They put spikes in his feet and his hands, and he just hanging there. Right. That is one brutal way to die. To die. God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. So God sent him, and the task is, in order for the, the, the humanity on planet Earth to be saved, in order to make them make it possible for them to be with us, to be with us and get out of here alive. The price to be paid is you, my son, and shedding blood for him. Right. Well, so I just think at that moment when, because if you look like what John John said over here in like John 19, John had him saying, it is finished. Right. So the, the weight of of it all on one individual, the sins of the world and the resurrection of, the history. of them. Yeah. History and future of the world. And I mean. the resurrection of their dead bodies from the ground. This is a big event. Yep. And you just look, just think about it. If you were God and you never made a mistake. Right. And they have you strung up and have now murdered you. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and the, just the weight of it all when he said, "Why have you?" At, at that moment, I can see how his humanity would have cried out, saying, "Man, are you sure they're worth it?" Basically, well, it wasn't seen. You know, and it, his word, yeah. "It is finished." 
right. John recorded him saying it, it, it's well. He, woo, he it's had, like man. He had to be forsaken. For, yeah. for us it was one, but the other thing is about that. Since you brought that, he part died out. all alone. So when for his friends had left, nobody was there. <clears throat> so I could see why he would cry. Well, and you got to remember, this was a messianic. Prophecy. I may be totally wrong on my. No, thinking, I think you're I, right. But and, but here's another reason why. So the, when he said that, that's a prophecy from Psalm 22, one and two. Yep. So originally David said it. If you go back and read Psalm 22, you see where David's mindset was when he's asking God that. But look, it's not a psalm of doubt, trust me. He says it right off the bat, and then he, for the next 25 verses, he talks about how great God is. David, I'm talking about. Yep. Well, he's quoting David. So this is, you know, Jesus said a lot of things to fulfill prophecies that yep. were about him. So this part is of, just one more. <clears throat> part of it was just him fulfilling the prophecy, but the other part was what you said. I, I believe that fully true because uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin, well, there's your answer, to be sin for us yeah, so that probably, in him we might become... Therein is the rub. That's the rub. But a while ago, it was not Hebrews 2. It was Hebrews 4 where it says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Yeah. And Peter quoted Isaiah when he said he committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled That's their insults. That's 1 Peter 2, out. 21. 1 yeah. Peter yep. 2. But here's my point. Most religious people, they're going to go to those verses that clearly says he didn't commit sin, which is what we just did, and say, well, how can you say that, that was sin because you're basically going against spirit led writings that says he he didn't sin. Yeah. So, but what I want to say is here's the problem. More than that, more than it's not just showing you a verse and say, okay, you're wrong or you're right. What you're missing is the nature of God. If God is guilty of anything, this won't work. The whole thing collapses. That is correct. Because you you can, if you just meditate on that, you're going to find a lot of scenarios, all bad, where this this will all crumble. So I'm not sure why you would immediately go to, here's the Son of God, Jesus, and the Son of Man, Jesus. So men have weaknesses. Men... We have, you know, emotions and, you know, Jesus is crying and he's doing these things that we are uncomfortable thinking, well, that, that's God doing that. But it's a reflection of his soul, which is compassion, uh, mercy, care, forgiveness. But somewhere in there is innocence. And that has to be a bedrock to the, to the personal trait of God. For there, I could give you 10 reasons why that has to be. I mean, mainly, you can't have a million years from now or 10 million or pick a number. And then all of a sudden, if God was capable of sin, he changes his mind. It all goes off a cliff. You know, I don't love you anymore. It just it just won't work. So that's what I wanted to say. You can show the verses where it says that, but the implication of God's character is the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So we know that that was him being tempted in every way. Yet was without sin. Yeah, and just think of the the weight of it all. Since we, uh, you see, at just the right time, this is Romans five. I was just going there. That's so. Funny. Yeah, at the <laughs> at the right time, we're on the same wavelength. I was right? literally going to that verse. Yeah. <laughs> when we were still powerless, we could save ourselves. All of us. There is no human being going to be saved before that before that final death of Jesus on the cross. Christ died for the ungodly while we were still powerless. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, although for a good man, uh, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? That final Right before he uttered, it is finished. Why have you forsaken me? I mean, (laughs) the weight of it all was upon him. That's right. Uh, Let's take another break. 
I wanted to zero in on that, Dad. That was one of that same verse at just the right time. Yeah. Which is interesting. You think, well, what, what does that mean? I mean, God, outside of time and space, remember, because before the creation of the world, the plan in Christ was hatched yep. by the, 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 the divine, by God. Yep. But he picked the time he picked to come here. And, and there's more to it. Like, it, that's not just happenstance. Like, he could have come anytime. I mean, he could have come a thousand sure. years earlier. He could be here today. He could have picked any time. He chose that time. He could have moved earlier, and not near as many would have been cast into hell. That's if right. He could have moved quicker. So, so that was just the right time. But I find it interesting that the time he decided to come here and and do what he did to give his life was probably, I mean, a, a crucifixion is probably the most brutal thing ever invented to execute. I mean, there's a lot of, been a lot well, of bad ways, but yeah. I mean, it, it's as bad as any's my point. But it's that he was innocent. <laughs> That's right. To, you know, I mean, we're going to crucify capital punishment just because he's threatened and we don't know what to do with it. Let's just kill him, which is what I, we talked about earlier, worldly sorrow brings, brings death. I mean, they're sorry that he's called such a, a ruckus, so what happened? Well, just kill him. It's all. It was always the move. And just like when you talked about Lisa, you make a mistake. You're like, what do I do? I have a child now. Instead of, you know, choosing choosing life, right. worldly sorrow produces death. We just, let's just leave it leave it right here. That that's why in that verse where he said he demonstrates uh that while you know, we're ungodly, you know, he died, but and I've heard all these people in a marriage situation say, you know, they'll say things like, you know, I'll die for you. And you're like, but you're not living. You're not living for them. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's like the world makes these kind of statements. You know, like we, we have pets. I mean, I'm not dying for my dogs. Now, my wife and kids, I'm trying to get to heaven. I'd I'd step out there and say, okay, if this is what it, what it, what it takes. Because it all goes back to that, that sermon in John 15 he was sharing with his friends, I love you. No greater love has anyone that he laid down his life for his friends. That's why he said, I'm calling you friends. Of course, you know they he did it so they would look back and yeah. believe. <coughs> say, right. oh, and I get it. <laughs> I always give them a hard time because they seem to be so clueless in the moment, the disciples I'm talking about. But... I mean, in their defense... I mean, we had been clueless. Well, that's right. Because, you know, you've been a part of big things. I mean, we had a show on television. I mean, everybody's talking about us, and you're kind of just caught up in it because you're doing it. And you, But you look back, and you kind of are able to see things. And I kind of feel like this with them. They're a part of this huge thing that's the biggest event in the history or future of the world. I mean, he's faith that that weekend that he died on the cross, was put in the tomb, and then raised up... That's the that's the biggest thing that's ever happened or ever will happen. That is why yeah. I said the future of America rests on that. Exactly oh, an right. acknowledgement awesome. of it or a re- re- renunciation of it. Right. But from their perspective, think about how many since the dawn of time, how many people have got together in small groups throughout the history of the world in the name of religion or whatever. And some guys like, I have this anointing from heaven and y'all follow me. Think how many times that happened where it ended bad. Oh, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, drink this Kool-Aid. Yeah. It's great. Jim yeah. Jones, oh, I mean, Branch Davidians. Yeah, there's so, been a- so, but from the outside looking in, most people, that's how they're viewing Jesus. They're like, oh, yeah, no, we've seen how that works. That's why him being innocent is a necessity. That's right. There was no having sex with some, you know, somebody on the side, or there was no... Sinister, which it, most of these situations, I guess all of them except Jesus, there there is always something funky going on, because once you get your you know your eyes off Jesus, and all of a sudden you're the anointed one. Well, I know that's a lie, yeah. and so I think even by this question, if you, I mean, I don't want to judge the situation because I appreciate the question, but if you can make Jesus sinful, well, then we're all just screwed. You see, then I don't have to do anything. He messed up. Yeah, if you could throw that out there, that's why if it were me and that came up, no, I'm going to defend that. I'm going to defend the innocence of Jesus. I said one one time, there are only two innocent people I know are babies and Jesus. 
I will defend them to the death. That's right. This person who wrote that uh, labeled what he asked, why have you forsaken me, as doubt. But but Jesus didn't didn't say anything about doubting. Right. He didn't use that phrase. She, they, they well, did. They heard well, that neighbor. Well, it was the neighbor, talking. right, right. Well, because because they're insinuating the neighbor well, interjected well, doubt, right. Well, how and, come? And then it, look, by the way, why have you forsaken me? Uh, God's answer is for the sins of the world, well, the resurrection a, of dead men. Here's okay. A, <laughs> you see what yeah. I'm saying? Here's another <laughs> reputation. I mean, the sins of the world are riding on this, and it's all coming down on you. Well, here's yeah. another thing: doubt is not sin. That, I've never read the word it's doubt. It's not was in a there. Sin. It's not in the Bible. Oh, right. It's got like anger, you know. I mean, if doubt was a sin, the disciples oh. are the biggest sinners ever. Because well, I mean, they, you know, and, uh, and uh, us too. I mean, you know, right. but we're like straining. You know, it, it, it's like once you get down this in detail, you're kind of missing missing the point. Right. We, we know he can't sin. He, it's, he's. But it, I tell you, even a bigger picture of his humanity that touches me. I mean, that was one right there. You were right, Dad. In the moment of taking all the sin of every person oh, that's ever lived or will the live. The biggest event of all time. All time. So that's enough to say oh, what he said. But, like, but not only that. Especially knowing three days later, he's standing there and said, well, go get me some fish. I mean, the same one <laughs> who right. said, well, hey, he ran, you know, he, right. he doubted God. No, he didn't. He said, go get me some fish here. He's been resurrected from that. He knew all that. He right. told them, I'm going to die, yeah. and I'm going to be buried. In three days, I'm going to be raised from the dead. But he, he That's right. I mean, it wasn't like he didn't know what was going on, but his humanity at the moment. Right. But he wouldn't I, be us. Jay said it right. He wouldn't be us without feeling as a human hmm. does. The, the night before he died in the garden, to me, is the, one of the most touching scenes in his this whole thing with Jesus. I mean, you remember, he's just he's bleeding literally drops of his sweating and this drops of blood. I mean, like he is so intense because he knows about what he's fixing to face. And he even has that conversation with the almighty. He's like, you know, I mean, why have you forsaken me? We said we were going to do it. Are we really going to do it? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's why have you forsaken me? And the answer is so that uh, millions will have immortality like us. Well, I think right. he has the same priority. I, I didn't get this idea about getting my family to heaven. That wasn't my idea. I mean, this came from God. God wants his family and plus in, it's in not heaven. Like, it's not like right at the very end, uh, uh, Jesus is going to skip out on us. He's been nailed to a cross. I mean, if he had wanted to, oh, he could have obliterated the entire this half of the cosmos with earth in it saying, no, I've changed my mind. Uh, before I, y'all, I'll let y'all name up the cross. I think I'm just going to kill every last one of you. Well, that would be worldly sorrow that uh, led to death. That's right. <laughs> that's my point. But godly sorrow. Somebody said, well, yeah, he kind of ran out on doubting up there on the cross. You said, no, I don't think so. No, he wasn't doubting. Look, just like, just like he could have radiated the whole bunch and not let them even touch well, it. Well, there's a verse well, says he could call a legion of angels. Oh, right. you know. look, it, it would have only but, taken one. <laughs> well, right. It, it, he could have just snapped his fingers. He he controls the atoms of molecules. But look, John 11, I mean, we went through this whole thing. Why in the world? And I know we spent time on it, but, but I think it's the perfect analogy for what happened here. Why is he crying? Why is he weeping with the women about Lazarus being dead when he knows... That he's fixed to bring him back from the dead. Same thing. Now that, to me, if you want a controversial question, that's a way bigger one than him saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why was this the plan that I had to be, lose my place in heaven, become a stinky man, and... Lower than the angels, it yeah, says, and then give up all my, you know, powers and play the little human game... You know, build some houses. <laughs> Work as a carpenter for 30 drink, years. Drink water. Just <laughs> you know, stuff you don't think about, you know. Let's take one last break. <laughs> uh, you're right. Look, that's, I was in the same thing. And, and I thought, you know, not only did he weep, then the next verse says, when he goes to raise him up, he was moved deeply. Yeah. Which is really interesting because, like, like you said, you'd think he'd have been like, if it had been one of us, we'd have been like, ha, ah, 
just, you know, flippant. We'd have been like, hey, you want to see something? But he wasn't. He was in the moment of the you, sorrow. You know what I think, too, is why he, it, it's it's awesome, too. I mean, I think not all the tears are just, yes, it's sad, but it's also joy and amazement. That's why Hebrews 5, I believe, says, you know, with loud cries and tears, and he called out to God. I mean, it, it's I like a God who understands yeah. things that are awesome. Well, it's like me, and I feel like it's like when I was able, had the honor of being able to speak at people that mentored us at their funerals, Bill Smith, Carl Allison, Alton Howard, all these people that meant so much to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I cried at every funeral, and I was speaking, but I didn't cry because of sorrow, worldly oh, sorrow. That's right. I cried because they had had a huge impact on my life, and mm-hmm. like they had taught me the gospel. They had taught me how to teach. They had taught me how to preach. And so those are those are, are tears of joy, really. Oh, that's right. You know, and I yeah. feel like that's the way it was with him. I, I think he was moved because of relationship, and he knew what a big deal this was going to be. You know, and then it was interesting. We talked about when we did that text that you know then they wanted to rekill Lazarus. That was their plan. Oh, I know. I, I've read that many <laughs> times and thought. I mean, what that's a stupid your, plan. That's your human plan. The guy. And and everybody, I mean, it was kind of undeniable. Four days, there's an odor. Now he's back. Now we're having a... And Mary's like, I mean, Martha was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do we really want to roll that stone away? She had just said, you can do anything. I believe it. And then when they started to move the stone, she said, no, we sh- are we sure about this? Because it's been four days. It's been four days. This is not going to be pretty, you know? Well, then I, I think that we did when you were gone. It's like, then they had a dinner in his name. Yeah. <laughs> point of like dude hadn't eaten in four days he's been he's been dead <laughs> which is kind of funny said, i said it was a walking dead uh party you know it was like yeah. we got it we got this guy that's come back and so they're like okay let's let's see how we can really kill him what <laughs> when we've gotten into now oh you must have to sever his head see that's where all these movies right. get it. oh we didn't <laughs> sever the head <laughs> That's the only way we can make sure. I'm telling you, that's where all this stuff spawns from. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. And, you know, and, and to wrap up, we got a few minutes left. Um, this question about Jesus' perfection. You think about it, that was another problem for the Jewish leadership. Because, you know, they could stone people for certain things. Remember, they tried to do it to the woman, yep. you know, in John 8. But see, Jesus was a bone to be chewed. They wanted mm-hmm. to kill him, but how are we going to do it? Because we can't pin anything on him. Yeah. yeah. See what I'm saying? You mean they remember they kept wanting to pick up stones and he'd, oh, yeah. he'd slip away, do this a little Jedi. He just, you yep. know, he'd be gone. They wanted to stone him. They were angry about to do it. But then the leadership kept saying, well, but I, how are we going to do this? I mean, the people yeah. seem to love him. Uh, and so, so the whole thing back and forth is how do we kill him? The human race yeah. has been guilty of hating without a reason. Right. Ever since the human race has been here. That's exactly right. That there's yeah. hatred, and they don't have a reason to hate. That's but right. they still hate. That's you right. know, you know, and that's obscure, why it's on par with murder. Yeah, that's and, exactly An right. obscure verse in John eight forty six, Jesus said something that no other living adult in the history of mankind could say. He asked this question Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Yeah. That's a question. Nobody for... else can say that. That's exactly nope. right. Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just, I think there's little obscure verses like that where he makes a statement like that that sheds light on this question. Right. You you don't make that statement if, you, if you're if you going to sin, if you have sin. That's right. It, it, it's just, and remember, well, how do you, what do you make, what do you make of that statement is, is my point. Well, why is he saying that? And remember, throughout all of Jewish history, the metaphor is the perfect sacrifice is the perfect man. Because the whole thing had been about sacrifice for sin and the blood of bulls yep. and goats, Hebrews yeah. 10. None of this would work. The animals were slaughtered for 1,500 years. 1,500 years. Well, that's they, how most, no sins removed. No sins removed. That's how most people in the religious world kind of address it. But it does lack... The what we've talked about is the emotion right. and the character of God, which I think combined right. with the evidence, the historical shadow of the lamb right. and what that represented. I mean, it all came together. It wasn't just 
some map that he was trying to talk about in history That's with right. the chosen nation. You know, he wanted to live with people. That's where it all comes down to. He had a country where the country. He had a family, a chosen people, family. And it had, is friends. I mean, it, it, it is the greatest story ever it, told. It's, it's awesome. I mean, it just is. I did. Uh, I preached this last Sunday. My sermon was called "The Greatest Show on Earth," and I kind of went off like it was. It was a weird sermon because it was kind of a, the whole sermon was a metaphor about how you know the circus was around for 146 years. I didn't know that, and they call themselves the greatest show on earth. And you know, you got a show that runs 146 years. It's a pretty great show. Pretty good. Barnum show. and Bailey. They just ended in 2017. Started in 1871. But I said that wasn't the greatest show on earth. <laughs> and then thank, I went. Thank you. <laughs> I went. I went when he went into Jerusalem, you know, in John twelve, and I said, "Now this was the greatest show on earth yeah. because it it was everything that up to that point, and it was everything that goes forward. It all was in that moment, and it started that week when he went into Jerusalem, and that was my sermon. Yeah, it the was, world always wants to market qualities that only God possesses. Right. I back, keep back asking for ass. a better story. I asked him Sunday morning, do you have a better story than this one? I said, if you do, I said, stand up and tell us about it. Tell us your story. Yep. If it tops this one. Nobody ever moves. They're just <laughs> kind of like, well, let's see if I can come up with something that maybe. No. And I, I bet you they never will. I bet you'll never have a taker. I've asked a many audience, <laughs> what is your story? I like it. After hearing this one, and they're all like, that atheist guy I talked to, or one of them podcasts, one of some kind of deal I was talking with him on, I asked him, I said, well, just, he was saying, ah, you know, I don't know, I mean, you know, I'm hoping, you know, uh, maybe if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I'll see it coming when I get there, you know, I said, well, you need to move now before you get to the tunnel part. <laughs> I, said, I said, my recommendation with you is to move now. Don't wait till you're in the tunnel looking to see whether the light is coming or not. But anyway, I said, by the way, I said, do you have a better story? And he said, he thought there a minute. He said, I don't know whether I'm an atheist or an agnostic. He said, but I don't have a better story. I, I'm just going to tell you. That's I said, the point of today. I said, I don't either. That's, That's why I'm hung up here. If you're in the tunnel... It's too late. It's too late. Too late. So thank you, Jess, from Colorado. Now you got some ammo to talk to that neighbor. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.